Good evening, Lake Church. How's everybody doing? Hey, Amen. Are you excited to be in God's house tonight? Hallelujah. Well, let's uh, give a warm welcome to our online audience. Glad to have you with us tonight. Amen. Got a few things to talk about. We've got some announcements. Uh, this Sunday, the 29th, uh, 9 a.m. service only. So don't show up at 11 because nobody will be here. Also, uh, flow. Uh, learning how to uh, flow in the anointing of the Holy Ghost with Jeff Craig so for Sunday night service uh, school. And uh, so there's some things going on. Also, don't forget to stop by the bookstore. There's plenty of things out there to add to your library to help you through um, and to uh, learn. So, uh, and there's some mission stuff out there also in the foyer. Check that out. Stop by and, and see how you can help missions. Amen. Um, other than that, I think as far as announcements, that's it. But uh, it's good to be in God's house. I know it's gloom and doom outside, but it's uh, wonderful to be in here. Amen. And uh, if you love Jesus, you're excited to be here, right? Praise the Lord. All right. So there's uh, plenty of opportunities to give. We're going to have a bucket back there tonight, but you can uh, text to give. And uh, there's a thing on the back of your seat that gives you a prompting of how to do that. You can go online at lake-church.com and uh, click the giving tab and give that way also. Or you can be old school like me and uh, use the envelopes and the seat backs in front of you. So God is good. You know, you can't outgive God. Praise the Lord. And, uh, you know, you, you reap what you sow. Amen. So, you know, if, you, if you're sowing the right things, you're going to reap the benefits that God has for you, and it's going to be a wonderful thing. Amen. He's going to bless you abundantly. Amen. You know, he said that he come to give us not just life, but life more abundant. So, um, you know, let your heart tell you what to give. Praise God. Amen. Well, we're just going to go ahead and pray and let Pastor Greg get up here and uh, rock this thing tonight. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless the gift and the giver. Multiply, meet the needs tonight for the church, for the community, Father God, and for your kingdom. And we give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good evening, Lake Church. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you ready for this? All right. Well, I hope that you are. I hope that you mean it. Amen. <laughs> Let's turn in our Bibles to Acts 10.38. Acts 10.38. It's one of my favorite scriptures in uh, the Bible. Amen. Is everybody doing all right? Nobody's soggy? All right. Amen. Well, we're going to do some. We're going to do some praying tonight, and uh, we're going to be laying hands on people and and uh, breaking the power of fatigue off of your life. Amen. Amen. Uh, it's it's vital that we understand that uh, strength comes from the realm of the spirit, and that's what we talked about last week: is understanding that strength comes from the realm of the spirit. And uh, we are exhorted throughout the scriptures, especially in the, the prayers of the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians and also in Colossians, that we are to pray or become aware 
of the strength that we have in Christ Jesus and that we are actually pray to be strengthened, to be strengthened. So strength comes from the Lord. Now people say, well, strength comes from a strong heart. Well, what powers that heart? It is your spirit by the Holy Spirit that empowers your body, amen? And so we can pray for supernatural strength, and you can learn to tap into the strength of God, and that is vital and important. I'm going to read this scripture here in Acts 10, 38, and it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good, and notice it that defines what that good is, and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Amen? That word oppressed is a Greek word that's about this long. It's katadustastamonos in the Greek. Katadustastamonos. And uh, it means, kata means a force coming down. Dustasta is a compound of dunamis, power. And, uh, and then it, it carries the, the connotation that there is a tyrannical force that comes down and exacts power and control and manipulates people. And that's the picture that we have of the oppression of the devil. The oppression of the devil. And um, we would have a, a lot fewer oppressed Christians if they understood the elements that contribute to that oppression. Because many times we think that our oppression is just an attack of the devil that it's just some random attack, that they decided to hop on Dana today because she got the lucky number and they're just going to pound on her and oppress her. Or Wade might get it. You know, they flipped a coin and Wade was heads and she was tails and it was heads, so they went over and they attacked Wade. But when we understand as believers that the enemy has to be selective because the enemy is not omnipotent. The enemy is not omnipresent. And the enemy is not omniscient. So the enemy has to look for avenues and access points. Amen? Now, a lot of believers don't like to hear this stuff, okay, because they're tired of it feeling like it's their responsibility. But guess what? It is. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.27, Kevin ministered this Sunday on it, give no place to the devil. So if he exhorts Christians in the book of Ephesians to not give place to the devil then that means that we can give place. The word where it says place is the where we get the word topography. And we could actually say this. We could say, give no real estate to the devil. 
Don't give any ground to the devil. Don't yield up your land to the devil. Now, where is the land? We got to ask ourselves that. You know, where is this real estate? Is it physical real estate like this piece of land that we're on? No, it's mental real estate. You see, we as believers now have the ability through the work of Christ, through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us, and through the Word and the renewing of our mind, we now have the ability to resist transient thoughts that seek to make their dwelling place within our soul. Amen? And so many times we say stuff like, I'm tired, I'm fatigued, I'm weary. You know, that's been a, really a song and dance that's been going on for the last two years. I'm tired, you know. And guess what? You know what? There, there is reason to be tired because we have had a season of consistent opposition and attack. And this, and it, it just, it, you know, I could go down the row, every row, and each one of you could stand up and give me a testimony of what you've had to stand against. I'm not saying you're losing. I'm not saying you're not victorious, but I'm saying you've had to stand against something, and it's wearied you. You know, you got tired. And you wake up, and you just think, I wish this would stop. Now, come on, how many, am I speaking? I wish it was just stop, okay? <clears throat> but what I'm about to share with you is, is not just taking our authority, which we do need to do, but also putting up the barriers and putting up the system that keeps this oppressive spirit from having dominance in our lives. Amen? And so we've been talking about psychic vampires. We've been talking about energy vampires. And there are spirits that come for one purpose and one purpose only is to zap you of strength. That's their whole purpose. They want to zap you of the vital strength that brings your immunity systems down, spirit, soul, and body so that they can give access to other spirits that can come and bring infirmity, mental illness and instability, and also begin to become a governor that keeps the things of God from being, the, being able to freely flow out of your life. And so you can be a Christian whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, who positionally is seated with Christ in the heavenlies and have a hell on earth. And that's exactly what he's talking about. Catadustastamonos, an oppressive force coming down, tyrannical in nature to control, manipulate, and dominate. And that's what Jesus went about doing good and healing all those who had that situation. So I got good news for you. Amen? So let's uh, take a couple of thoughts real quickly because I want to back up uh, scripturally what I said about strength. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. And these are prayers you should be praying 
at least once a week, if not every day. It's Ephesians chapter um, 3, I'm sorry, in verse 14. He says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his grace. How many realize that God is rich in grace? Did you know you can't have faith unless you understand grace? You can't believe God if there ain't no grace. Amen? So you got you to gotta say, you know, he is rich in grace. Amen? According to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened. Okay? So who strengthens us? What does the psalmist say? The Lord is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their what? Their strength. Amen? We see that, you know, two extreme cases on either side. We see Samson, of course. And then also we see uh, the demoniac of Gadara. Both of them exhibited strength, but that was found its basis in the realm of the spirit. Amen? And so we should pray that we would that he would grant us to be strengthened with power through his spirit, but notice where the power goes. Not in our physical body, does it? No. It goes in our spirit first. So you need to be praying, Lord, strengthen me by your spirit in my spirit. Amen? Amen? And then, praise God, by our confession of faith, we release that strength into our physical body. Amen? And you need to be praying the strength of God. And I'm going to get on to some of you. The reason why you're so tired is because that's all you talk about. Anytime I greet somebody and they tell me I'm tired every time I greet them, it's their mouth that's the problem. I'm just trying to be real with you. It's this little circle underneath your nose. <laughs> Hello. I'm tired. Oh, I'm just so this. I'm just so that. I need rest. I mean, you have what you say. I said, you have what you say. Your words are seeds. Did you know that? And there's two kingdoms that are listening for your words. The Bible says in Psalm 103 that the angels hearken to the voice of the Lord. They hearken to the word of the Lord. Amen? So if you want to get angels on your side, how many realize that angels came and strengthened Jesus? See, you've got to get a hold of this stuff. We need to stop talking about this and start living supernaturally. And start living it. Stop talking about it. Stop saying, I like to follow so-and-so. I like to listen so-and-so. It seems like they have it together. Why don't you get it together? Why don't you start being a new creation? Amen? Why don't you start being a weirdo? Come on now. Hello? Because that's where it's at. If you want to overcome, you got to be a weirdo. That's all there is to it. You just got to be a weirdo. You can't be cool like the world. Cool like the world is oppressed. They're oppressed. 
They put a smile on their face and they go home and they're oppressed. They want to cut themselves. They want to kill themselves. They wrestle with the bottle. They wrestle with dope. They put a big smile on, dress in their high dollar clothing and act like they've got it all together and they don't. Hello. I'd rather be a weirdo. Hello, I'd rather not have anything and have Jesus than have everything and not have him. Amen? And so we get all mixed up in this, trying to think that gain is godliness, and it's not. And uh, we just need to realize that this book is, uh, it, it contains the, the secrets of life right here. You want to know the, you want to know life hacks? It's right here. It'll tell you how to operate in the strength of God. And I'm telling you, I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. You know, my heart was in uh, 14%. I think the, the lowest it got was 12, 12% ejection fraction. I mean, that's the squeeze. You know, you, you're, you're subject to, to cardiac arrest and stroke at any time because the muscle's not going the way it is. But guess what? I got into Ephesians chapter 3, and I began to make this my scripture. And then the Lord began to give me scriptures as I began to search the scriptures. And they're my confession every day of my life. There's not a day that doesn't go by that I'll repeat one of those scriptures at one time. And multiple times he tells his people, I will strengthen you. I will strengthen you. Amen. So strength comes from the Lord. And strength comes, listen to this, by the words of your mouth. You want strength? You start talking strength. Well, I don't feel like I'm strong. That doesn't matter. If you haven't learned to speak contrary to how you feel, you haven't went very far in your walk with the Lord. Your ability to speak the Word of God when all circumstances are not saying what the Word of God says is the difference between success and failure. The overcoming power of God comes when we speak the word to our circumstances and how we feel. I like what Smith Wigglesworth said. He said, I don't ask Smith how he feels. I tell him. Let me say that over here because I don't think they got it over there. But he said, I don't ask Smith how he feels. I tell him. And there's many times that I've had to speak to my body and speak to my mind and speak to that and say, nope, you're not going to control this. You're not going to ruin this day. You're not going to take me away from doing this. You come into line. And then you get up out of bed and you walk it out. Because faith without works is what? It's dead. So get up, do something. Amen? Do something that you couldn't do. Okay, so we're strengthened. Uh, in fact, go, go a little further here. And we talked a little bit about this, and I've got a book out there about this too. But uh, it says, Strengthen with power through his spirit in my inner being so that Christ may dwell in my hearts. Notice this. You have to have the strength of God for Jesus to manifest in your life. So you've got to have strength for him to be able to manifest. 
And so he goes on and he says that so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend. Notice that. You've got to have strength to be able to even comprehend the things of God. How many realize strength is important? Amen. Let's go to one more scripture and then we'll get on. Colossians. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 11. It says, Paul prays for the church of Colossae. We need to take these prayers and make them the, about the church in Manford, about your personal life. You need to be praying these things. I pray them over my life. I pray, verse 11, that I may be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance. How many could stand some endurance? And patience with joy. That's very important. How are you going to endure? The strength of God. How are you going to be patient and filled with joy? Strength of God. The Bible says in the Old Testament, let the weak say what? The weak say I'm weak. <laughs> weak say I'm sickly. The weak say this. No, it says the weak should say the opposite of how they feel. Hello. In Isaiah, God says this. He says, I create. Does anybody know the rest of this scripture? The fruit of the lips. Look it up for yourself. Don't just look at me like that. He says, I create the fruit of the lips. I create the fruit of the lips. We're talking about operating in the realm of fatigue, tiredness, a low ebb. Where's it come from, guys? It comes from our mouth. Amen. I can do all things through Christ who, what? Strengthens me. So where does strength come from? Amen. It's important for you to get a hold of because you're thinking it's, you know, I got to keep my heart in shape and I got to go to the gym and I got in. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, you know. But I know people that got good, sound, physical hearts and they die early. And I've got people that go to the gym and lift weights and pump iron and can bench press 325 pounds and, and they're always talking about how tired they are. What is the role of the demonic realm? The role of the demonic realm is to wear out the saints. Because when you get wore down, you get sloppy. When you get tired, you don't necessarily aren't as sharp. You're not as in tune. And you end up staying, saying stupid stuff. And that's really where it's at. He wants to get you in your words. Hello. We used to talk about this stuff all the time. Yeah. In fact, you know, early days, some of you can remember that. You know, we used to get on to one another about how we spoke. Yeah. 
I mean, we, we had confession police running around the church. <laughs> Hello? And they'd run around, and if you were saying something, they'd, they'd, get, they'd correct you. Hello? I think we need to get, we get that back. You know, I, I'm not saying we need to be condemning to one another, but I think we need to exhort one another. Encourage one another. Hey, man, that ain't right. You know, you need to, that ain't true. That's not right. Don't be saying that. Come on now. Because each one of us has been given a seed bin. Okay? And when we were in Adam, when we were lost, that seed bin always brought up a bad harvest. Always. Because we just talked doubt, defeat, and death. Remember, the Bible says death and life are in the power of what? The tongue. Okay? So we just speak death. We speak, you know. And that's really where the enemy wants to get you is to where you're, you know. See, Patrick, stand up. Okay? All right. Now, that's my water there. Okay? All right? That's my water standing there that they put there. Very nice complimentary water that I have here. Um. So the, the enemy wants to influence him to drink my water. You know, drink my, take it away from me. When I'm thirsty and come down here, that water's going to be half drunk and Patrick's going to be the culprit, you know. But he ain't going to tell me. He's going to hide it from me for years and years and years. And then when the conviction of God gets on him about four years from now, he'll say, you know what, I drank your water that day. But, see, here's the thing. The enemy has no power over the Christian. So the enemy cannot manhandle Patrick and force him to do something. What he has to do (laughs) is he has to influence Patrick. And he does it with words. You know, that's, that water looks pretty good in there. I know there's two other bottles over here, but, you know, that's, that's there. That looks pretty good, you know. You might want to get that in there, you know. After all, he hadn't been too nice to you lately, you know. He didn't, he didn't say hi, and, you know, he kind of needs to be taken down a notch. So you just go ahead and take a bit. Do you see how he does that? So he has to influence to where... Patrick of his own volition reaches down, takes it, takes a big swig out of it, puts big backwash in it, <laughs> and just seals it back up. You can sit down. But see, <laughs> the devil made me do it is Flip Wilson, not the Bible. Some of you don't even know who Flip Wilson is. But that's Flip Wilson. It's not the Bible. In fact, there are sinners today. I'm going to say this. It's going to make you mad. There are sinners today saying no to things that Christians aren't saying no to. You want to know why? Because the devil can't make you do nothing. Hello. That's the reason why he wants to oppress you. 
because mental oppression bows you to his will. And that's the reason why people do stupid stuff, say stupid things, believe dumb stuff. When the enemy gets in your life, your IQ plummets 50 points. He not only does it by getting us all worked up, but he puts people around us that are worked up. And these are psychic vampires. They will drain you dry. And you will be fooled into thinking that you're actually helping them when in all actuality, they're feeding off of you. And so you've got to be able to spot them. First, you've got to spot them by spotting it in yourself. You've got to look at the mirror and say, you know what, am I a killjoy? Am I negative? Am I depressed? Am I just... Not saying, you know what? I need. Let's look at over at back at Ephesians. Strength comes from the realm of the spirit. In Genesis one one, we see that in the beginning Elohim created, and actually, if you read the original language, the Aleph Tav, and the heavens and the earth. The Aleph Tav is left out of your translation. The Aleph Tav is just Alpha and Omega, if you want to put it in the Greek. It just means that he created the Word. Remember, that's what John says. In the beginning was what? The Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So that means the entire universe, what we see and what we do not see, is created by words. So if strength is of the spirit, then strength is built by words. Okay, I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to show it to you. Okay? What's coming out of your mouth? You want to turn your body from disease to well, you're going to have to change your words. You can't speak out of both sides of your mouth, out of both sides of, you know, forked tongue, so to speak. You can't say, I believe that God healed me, and oh my goodness, it's all, you know, I'm losing it, I'm going to die. It's not, it's not the way it works. You're trying to vacillate, double-minded. But notice what it says here. It says in verse number 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Okay, he's not just talking about dirty jokes. Slaying are cuss words. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about corrupting talk. Corrupting talk takes away what? Life. When you have corruption, what is corruption? Corruption is decaying life. It's decay. It's decay. Corruption. Corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good 
for the building up or the edifying as fits the occasion that it may give grace to the one who hears. Okay? So if he's teaching us that our words can build up, then it's quite obvious that our words can also tear down. So you've got to think about, okay, let's, let's start with ourselves first. Is my self-talk building or is it tearing down? And then after we've looked at ourselves in the mirror, then we start looking out the window. And then we wonder, are the people that are in my life today... Is their speech seasoned with salt? Is their speech edifying? Is it building me up? Because I'm telling you, you can feel like you need to take a nap after you talk to some people. I need to go to bed. You know, my goodness gracious, man. And uh, some of you have been in jobs in which you're inundated with a lot of psychic vampirism. And they're just driving you, draining you dry. And you're coming home and you really haven't done anything but sit at a desk. And you feel like you've been out, you know, digging ditches all day. You don't have time for your family. You don't have time for any kind of leisure activities. You can't do anything, you know, because you're in a situation in which the end. Listen, the enemy's not playing games. He could care less about what car you drive. He could care less about what house you live in, how much land you got, and the type of clothes you have. He could care less. It's about heaven and hell. That's what it's about. It's about death and life, and that's it. That's the game he plays. And you're fooling yourself if you think he's attacking anything else without the end game of death. He just doesn't care. He's not, the devil's attacking my job. No, the devil's trying to kill you. Well, he's attacking my marriage. No, he's trying to kill you. You, you need to understand that. <clears throat> he doesn't dink around. It's life and death. It's heaven or hell with him. We have our own little games in our head, but he don't play those games. And he will make sure that he will put people around you that will influence you to be negative, that will influence you to be uh, have a skewed view of your boss, of your job, of anything that's blessing you. Anything that God gave you, he's going to put somebody around you to get you in an ungrateful attitude about it. He's going to get you to, to not thank the Lord for what you've been given, but to kind of get an attitude about it. Because his whole goal is to get you to sow the proper seed to bring about the harvest of death that he wants in your life. 
And instead of praising God for your spouse, you're talking bad about your spouse at work, to your friends, at your poker night, whatever it may be. You're talking about how horrible they are and how, you know, oppressive they are and and they don't do this and they can't do this and he's not romantic and she's not together, blah, blah, blah. And we speak all that stuff and then we wonder why six months later, Because it's seed, time, and harvest. Just because it don't happen right after you say it doesn't mean it ain't in the ground. And everything reproduces after its kind. Strife will reproduce strife. Deception will reproduce deception. Disloyalty will reap disloyalty. Dishonor will reap dishonor. Corrupting talk gives the devil access to take territory in your life by taking property that's been given to you and planting on it. It'd be like you walking out, you know, in your field, you know, that you take care of and and somebody's out there's digging them a nice big huge garden well you'd have a problem with that you say what are you doing here well I wanted to plant this and this isn't your property you can't but how many of us just yield it up yield it up just yield it up to the devil go ahead I'll take that thought I'll let that thing get in there, germinate, put a root system down, grow a big trunk, grow some branches, let it begin to bear some fruit, and eat of it every day and not like it. How stupid is that? Is that smart? But that's what he wants. See, and he does it through corrupting talk. Hello? 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 See, the devil wants to incite you to where he changes your seed bin. That's the reason why Jesus said, pray for those who persecute you. Why? Because you don't want to get over in that other seed bin. You don't want to get into where you're talking down and being critical and nasty. Because guess what? Criticalness brings criticalness. You criticizing them... It's going to come down in time. You're going to be criticized for the same thing. That's the reason why you should be careful about advice. Giving advice so freely. Well, if I was you, I would do. You're not. Last time I checked, you're not me. So stop giving advice because guess what? A man's life consists of entirely of the seed that he sows. And if you're going to sow some junk like that and give this advice, then the enemy's going to make sure you're going to get to use that advice in your own life. See, we have to understand that the enemy's a legalist. 
So he only operates in legal terms. That's the reason why he was talking to God with, with Job, about Job. He has, you know, he works within that seed time and harvest. He was coming to get Job's harvest. Hello? Angels are reapers. You have to get a hold of that. They're reapers. That's the reason why Hebrews chapter 1 says that they're ministers for the heirs of salvation. What they do is they bring the harvest to you. You believe God, confess, operate in faith, do what they, they see that harvest and they come and they bring it to you. They transfer it to you. Well, guess what? Fallen angels do the same thing. And when we sow bad seed and we talk destructively and we talk nasty and we're, you know, fault-finding, critical, mean, guess what? That has a harvest too. And they'll reap it for you. They're more than happy to do it. Oh, we'll get this for you, boss. Hello? We'll put it right in your barn. You won't have to do anything. Then all of a sudden you got pain in your body. As my grandpa used to say, the chickens come to roost. Hello? Amen? Hallelujah. Chickens are bad birds, man. Any bird that can produce ammonium nitrate is a bad bird. You can blow up buildings with that. Come on now. Notice that. It's the way we talk. It's our words. Amen? Okay. Now, I'm going to prove it to you because you guys don't look convinced. It's, it's sad that we have to go over these things. These are things that we learned. 101, kindergarten of the faith, and yet we have to reschool. I'm not, I'm not upset about new converts. I'm not upset about people that never heard this stuff. But I'm telling you, the worst offenders of this is me and it's you <laughs> that have been in the faith for a long, long time. I don't believe in that confession stuff. Oh, really? Well, everything you got is a product of your mouth. Hello? The Bible teaches. Is the Bible the Word of God? Well, let's look at the book of Proverbs. This is going well. I didn't know that it would. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 15. We'll start there. Proverbs chapter 15. And you need to mark these things down and remember them. 1523. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good is it? I like what the King James says. It says, a man has joy by the answer of his what? How does a man have joy? 
by the answer of his mouth. It doesn't say a man has joy because his circumstances are perfect. It's not what it says. A man has joy because, you know, he won the lottery. A man has joy because he has a trophy wife. A man has joy because everything, every I is dotted, every T is crossed in his life. It says, no, a man has joy by the answer of his mouth. The goal of demonization is to change your dialogue, is to teach you a new language that not only will oppress you, but will oppress others. Okay? Because the minute you start spewing that sewage, it's going to have an effect on your kids. It's going to have an effect on your marriage. It's going to have an effect on your relationships. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth. Joy is not subject to our circumstances. Joy is a force given to us by God. Jesus said, my joy I give to you, not as the world gives. So joy is a force and a gift from God that is given to each and every one of us to help us overcome. The joy of the Lord is our what? Oh, there's that word again. So how are you going to have strength? By the word of your mouth. Amen? And when you feel like it's absolutely the worst situation in your life, you, if you change it and you stop moaning and groaning and griping and complaining and you just lift your hands and you say, Father God, I praise you. I know this is a, I feel horrible. I, 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 you know, this is a horrible time in my life, but I know my Redeemer lives. And the joy of the Lord is my strength, so I just yield to that joy on the inside of me. Hello. Sometimes you got to laugh when you don't want to laugh. You got to shout when you don't want to shout. Amen. Hallelujah. The Bible says, shout for joy. Hello. It's just like shouting for your kids. Get home. Bobby, you know, back when they used to play outside, you'd, you know, you, you could call them in, you know, you shout for joy, you shout for joy, amen? What does that shouting do? It opens up the wells of salvation on the inside of you. The Bible says, with joy will I draw water out of the wells of salvation. Amen? So joy is actually the bucket that I draw the presence and power of God. See, this will help you get rid of that catadustastamonos in your life. Amen? Okay, let's look at another one. 1624. 1624. I'm fixing to save you a whole lot of money. Gracious words, or the King James says pleasant words, are like a honeycomb. How many like honey? How many like a nibble on a honeycomb? 
Now, you wouldn't want to eat on that the whole time. You know, it's going to make you sick. But boy, do you like that sweetness? Did you know that your words can either be sweet or bitter? Amen? And it says this. Now, notice this. This is a different type of honeycomb. It says sweetness to the soul. What is catadustastamonos? It's oppression in your soul. Brought on by the bitterness of words that have been spoken to you and through you. Hello? Why am I so tired? Why am I so fatigued? Well, because of the joy of the Lord's your strength. Are you awake out there? But notice it also says, in health to the body. I like the King James better. It says, pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and health to the bones. I'm telling you what, you can't have health unless you have healthy bones. That's where your blood comes from, friends. And I'm telling you, if you don't have healthy bone marrow, you're not going to have a healthy body. And this says clearly that when we speak pleasant words, would you say that the word of God is pleasant? Amen. Amen. When we speak pleasant words, guess what? It's sweet to our soul, but it's also health to our bones. Amen. Hello, but there's people that will come and they will not speak pleasant words. Not everybody's going to speak pleasant words to you. Amen. And you know what? You just can't cast away everybody. You know, you just can't go live like a troglodyte somewhere and just, you know, be by yourself, be a hermit. You got to realize that you're in the world. You're not of the world. So you've got to be able to fortify a way to keep those words from penetrating your life. Hello. I remember when, you know, I first got into the ministry and, and got my opportunity to, to help my pastor. And, and he had a, a counseling load that he needed help with right off the bat. And so I was fortunate enough to have all the marriage counseling that came down the pike. And... Um, I remember uh, hours upon hours of, of hearing the same stories with different faces. Because guess what? There's a lot of co- common denominators in, in marriage relationships. You know, people think my problems are different than anybody on planet Earth. Nothing could be further from the truth. You can, there's common denominators and you can kind of see it. And sometimes when you're prescribing help, you'll prescribe almost the same remedy to about five different all in the same day. Hello. That's how common it is. But I began to see uh, the first month I was there and I had was listening and, you know, trying to help. And whatever problem they had, I brought it home. I brought it home. I mean, if one of them was messing around on one of them, 
All of a sudden, I'd go home thinking my wife was messing around. On, come on now. Hello? Or if someone was hiding money and, you know, doing something stupid and making bad decisions with the finances and stuff, you know, you'd get that, uh, I guess it would be the, the tenth gift of the Spirit, the gift of suspicion. <laughs> you know? And so I'm getting all this junk. I'm, I'm basically, they're projecting what's on them and it's, it's coming on me. And I didn't know anything about what I'm teaching you. I didn't have any clue back then because I was young and I thought I could do anything. You know, that's what we think. Oh, I can handle anything. You know, give it to me. I'll take it. You know, I'm the man. You know, I know that. And oh, my goodness. After a while, they were just draining me dry. And I was a little fatty back then. But if you, if you looked at if, if <laughs> if you looked at me inside, I looked like an Ethiopian <laughs> that was in bad need of a food, you know, some food assistance because they had just drained me dry. Because when ministry, listen, you got to understand this about ministry. People will always come and place a demand on you all the time. Amen. They make no apologies for it. How many times in the ministry have you ever got a phone call? I know you're busy. I had um, a psychic vampire. Hello. That would come in my office and would take enormous amounts of my time. Just sit down and talk. See, that's what they do. They just talk. And they don't talk about anything that matters. You might be one of those. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I mean, come on. Hello. I mean, you know, my, my pastor, my father in the faith always said, shut your door. That's all he always told me. Shut your door. He'd say it this way. Shut your dang door. Oh, I wanted to open, you know. I want to be different, open. Let people come in, you know. I want them to feel, you know. He said, shut your door. You're going you're gonna to regret leaving that door open. And he was absolutely right because they would come in. Oh, you got a minute? You could be eating your lunch. Have a big old piece of burger in your mouth. And you got a minute? You got a minute? I, I got some things I need to throw across you. I just really was praying. And, I thought, and it's about, and I'm, I'm to kid you not, we talked for one hour. This person is with the Lord, at least I hope. Hello. We spoke for one hour on how she was going to get her spices organized. Hello. 
And you know, you're supposed to do the Christian thing and listen. You know, let the little children come. You know, suffer through it. Listening about whether she puts paprika or, you know, uh, cumin, where it goes and how she's going to organize it. I would have hated to see her house. Hello. And I'm telling you, this is what they will do. They will come to you. They will seek advice. They will let you give your advice. Then they will come the next week, and they will not even do what you said. Well, I'm praying about it. Again, could you tell me? Could you tell me that again? Because I didn't really get it that two hours that we talked last time. I need to hear it again. Because I, I just don't, I just don't retain things like I used to. I did. And you're wondering, well, bless their hearts, you know. You know, they get, you get the sympathy train going. And they're there because the enemies put them there. Hello? Over and over. I've also had people that will come in and they'll tell me tales. Tale bearers. You know. And I fell for it just like you. I'm human. I like a good story. How about you? Especially if it's about somebody else. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Makes me feel a little bit more human, you know, other people failings, you know. It's salacious and it is tasty. But the Bible says that when talebearers come, it comes as sweet morsels, but it's rottenness. And it's meant to deprive you of what? Strength. When people come with gossip and slander, they're there to weaken you. They're not there to uphold you. Even though you might think that you're receiving strength by hearing about someone else's shortcomings that make you feel better about your victories and overcoming in all actuality, it's siphoning strength. You see how the devil works? See, that's the reason why you don't entertain slanderers, gossips, and talebearers. Now, we've all been guilty of it, including moi. All of us. But when you know that it's a tactic of the enemy to psychically remove strength from you, then you will get, you will not want it in your life. Amen. We're wondering why we're tired and we're sitting down at by, you know, in the break room talking about crap. 
And that's really the, that's the best word I could use. I would use the other word, but you would not want me to. But that's exactly what it is. It's absolute refuse. It's yeah. junk. But we prize it. We prize it and value it more than we do the strength of God. Because we'd rather siphon our strength by listening to that stuff than keep ourselves edified and built up by resisting it. Hello? Well, I heard, well, right there you said, vampire, vampire. Well, did you hear this about so-and-so? Vampire. Vampire. You know so-and-so? You know he... Vampire. Hello? Oh, goodness gracious. All right. Okay. Are you ready? Ready for some more? We got a few more minutes. And then we're going to pray. Amen? Hallelujah. Um, let me let me give you some some things here about this about about words here and, and about understanding. You don't want talebearers. You don't want meddlers. Okay, meddlers zap you of strength. They come as pseudo counselors. Okay. How many remember Job's story? Job had three friends. Did they help Job? No, they didn't help Job at all. They meddled. Now, when they first started, they were helpful. Did you know that they were helpful? How they were helpful is because they sat in silence and cried and, and, and wept with those who wept. That's, that's how you help people. Sometimes we're in such a hurry to give a scripture or to give a solution that we're not b being a good friend by just simply being there and just letting them say what they want, you know, and heal and get, get you know, regurgitate the junk without condemnation and without, come on now. But instead we want quick little answers. We want to write the prescription. And then we want to brag to everybody, well, well, you know, I told them. You know, it was, it was my scripture that really brought this, you know, out for them. They, you know, God really used me and he, he spoke through me and I just knew that it just, just meant, you know, no, you were probably the most irritating one of the bunch. Because people meddle, and they like to meddle, and they do it in the name of Christian service. The Bible says that when someone meddles in affairs that are not theirs, it's like pulling a dog up by the ears. I don't know. I don't. When I see a mean dog... I don't want to grab its ears. Hello. And so we've always got these, you know, parables and teachings and life lessons that we want to give. And really, in all actuality, we just need to stay out of it. 
the reason why you're tired is because you're in other people's business. You're making their business your business. And here's a word from the Lord for you. When you do that, you get their devils. That's right from the Lord right there. You get the devils associated with that problem because you've just now made yourself. Hello? Amen? I mean, what, what happened to answering questions when you're asked? What happened to courtesy? What happened to just being there for people? Hello? Okay, all right. Yeah, I know you. I, I talked to you about the repeat offender, people that just constantly repeat things. Uh, another one that will drain you is liars. Hello? Why are people fatigued? They're liars. Why are you fatigued? You've got liars around you. I got scriptures for all this, but I don't have time. But you need to get old. People just lie to you just because that's what they do. I know it's hard for you to believe that people would just lie, but they do. And they lie without even knowing it because they're so in league with that spirit of that lying spirit that they don't even know what's them and, and what's the spirit. They don't have any idea. I remember we had a guy that was clean that, now don't try to figure out who it is. This is years ago. But I remember, you know, they said he, he, he's coming to church, an older gentleman. And um, we were having trouble with our soundboard. And when you're in a building that's half the size and it's metal, you know, you're, you're messing with the sound all the time, okay? And it was like gremlins would come in the nighttime and mess with the board. How many know what I'm talking about? Mess with the board. Just mess with the board. And you'd have to you know, go through and tie. You'd have to go through these big, long rehearsals to try to get everything right. And it was aggravating stress and strife and, and, and musician. I can't hear myself. And I, you know, and, and I mean, it just brought all kinds of trouble. And I'm surprised we even got through the service, you know. And uh, I remember the sound man, I said, somebody's messing with the soundboard. And I said, well, there's the only person that's in here during the day is the guy that cleans the, the, the auditorium, okay? And, uh, and of course, you know, um, Sound people are very accusatory. <laughs> and he says, it's him. It's him. He's messing with this soundboard. 
He said, I'm going to put a door up here. I'm going to put a you know, caution tape. No, nobody comes up here. Nobody, Because I'm telling you, if you've ever had sound issues in your church, it is the most stressful, strife-filled moments in your life. I mean, people will take their guitars and go after one another <laughs> because they're not hearing themselves in the mix. People are taking the strings off of their guitars to strangle one another. <laughs> and the biggest fight you ever saw in your life <coughs> over sound. And he says, he says, we leave the soundboard as it is. We've got it set the way that we want to. We put a cover over it. And this guy's got to be messing with the sound. I said, oh, no, not dear old fill in the blank. What would he have anything to do? So we asked him. So you, you know, you clean in the sound booth. Would you accidentally, you know, you know, put through your elbow and just messed with all the? No. In fact, I, 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 I don't even go up there half the time. I just do, you know, acted all stupid about it, you know, and uh, so we watched him. Hello. He kind of had a, a weird air about him. He was a good guy. No one you know, all right? And I, Gary, I kid you not. He got up in that sound booth. I said, okay, well, we'll just watch this, you know. And he's just kind of doing around there, and you could see him. And here's the sound booth over here, and he's over here, messing over here, and you could see his eyes dart over there. See, as I just, I mean, it was, it was like, ooh, like something was glimmering over there, just some knob, you know, some, you know, compression knob that, you know, just throws everything off. And, uh, and he went over there, just, <laughs> I am serious. So we spoke to him about it. Did you turn these knobs here? These knobs weren't turned. No, I didn't turn these knobs. I didn't. <sighs> just life just kind of draws out of. Because what do you do? <laughs> well, you can be nasty, you know. And maybe I should have been nasty, but uh, we made sure he cleaned another part of the church. But it just zaps you of a strength when people will not. Here's another one. Flattery. Okay? When someone's talking about your butt, they're zapping your strength. I got to say it that way to get you to see it. If they're flattering you about your figure, if they're talking to my, I'm not talking about, hey, you look nice today, you know, your hair really, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying, oh, you fine. <laughs> and it's not your spouse. <laughs> Hello, people will flatter you 
they'll do it at your workplace. So you, you know, when you were in charge and they were on vacation, you did it better. That's flattery. You need to re- vampire. Vampire. They do it in ministry too. Oh, you preached better than pastor. Are you do that vampire? Vampire. Hello. You you actually think you're getting strength from it. That's what that's where the deception is. You actually oh but really you're being deflated. You're actually being drained of life and blood because it fosters in you an attitude that God can't bless. See, the whole goal is not just to drain your strength, but to infect you with pride. And God can't work with proud people, okay? Babblers. People that just talk. I mean, they'll just talk and talk and talk. Hello. I've been with people that actually asked me to come with them to answer important questions about their church, about their ministry. And they will talk the problem for two hours, give the solution in the next two, And then go back to square one for two more hours, and you haven't said a word. You haven't, you haven't said nothing. And by the time you're through, you're wore out. You ain't said nothing. Hello. I mean, people that you know, you know you're around a babbler when they talk so much. They say things like this, where was I? That means you've talked too much. If, if, you, if you don't know where you're at, if you don't have any clue as to where you're at in your dialogue, shut it. You're a babbler and you're being used by the devil to waste time. Hello? And you can always tell, you know, you're trying to leave them. Hey, I got one more thing. Oh, I forgot to tell you about this. Hello? And you're going, you know, you want to do, see, this is the trap because you want to be a good Christian. Instead of turning the other cheek, you ought to turn the other ear, you know. <laughs> Fill this one up now, you know, with your babble. Because your babbling is taking life away from me. It's keeping me from other things. Just talk and talk and talk and talk. Hello. The Bible says, let, let your yes be yes and your no be no. The Bible says, God's in heaven, you're on earth, therefore let your words be few. Amen? Now, these things are zapping you of strength. Some of them are just the flesh. 
Some of them are just, you haven't put your flesh under in that area. But then sometimes there's an attachment that brings oppression to your life. What causes a person to babble? Insecurity. When a person's insecure, they just talk all the time because they want acceptance. Well, sometimes that's your flesh. Sometimes that's your, just your stinking flesh and your, and your corrupt mind that's based out of your carnality. But then there's also spirits that fortify that in your life and abide within that fear. And it causes you to be excessive and driven to talk. Driven to lie. You really don't want to. I really don't want to lie. Have you ever had those things? I really don't want to do this. Everybody has. You just look straight ahead. Don't let nobody know. Everybody has. I don't want to do this, but everybody's been there. Okay? And if it becomes a recurring habit in which you're feeling driven to do, it's not just because you want to have some fun or have a fling. It's you're driven, and all of the, everything's just driving you. You have a buddy. You've got somebody that's dictating your life and is constantly uh, manipulating you into behavior that causes you to sow the wrong seed which fortifies them in their behavior towards you and creates a cycle of despair, a cycle of destruction. Both can be taken care of tonight. Whether it's the consecration of your flesh and the fact that you need to put to death the things in the body or whether you've got something that is infusing that with strength and causing you to feel driven, causing you to feel that you don't have a choice anymore, that this is who you are, and this is what it's going to be like, I'm telling you that's a lie. Yeah. 